David Hershkovitz, and you're listening to Light Culture, brought to you exclusively by Burb, where cannabis clothing and culture intersect. Based in Vancouver, Canada, Burb strives to build on the city's legacy of cannabis tolerance and its gift to the world, BC Bud. Follow us on Instagram at ShopBurb and subscribe to this podcast at shopburb.com forward slash lightculture. We're in the midst of this terrible coronavirus pandemic, and our lifestyles have taken a sharp turn from the way things used to be. More than ever, we're concerned about building up our immune system and being as healthy as possible. My guest today is a pioneer in the plant-based movement for wellness and spiritual well-being. Lou Segar is the CEO of Evolver a leading social platform encouraging personal transformation in the health and wellness industry. He's also the founder of The Alchemist Kitchen, a botanical dispensary dedicated to the power of plant-based remedies for health with a strong online presence and a physical space located in Lower Manhattan. Lou, welcome to Light Culture. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, talking with you from Ray Jones Street on the Bowery, just a block from the Alchemist Kitchen's flagship. So yeah. we're quite in the heart of it. And uh, it, it's quite an experience, I must say, you know, uh, as a New Yorker as well, as someone trying to uh, get our community and get a broader base of customers to appreciate the power of plants, you know. For real, I know. And that's been a big part of what you've done with building the community around that. But first, how did your business respond to the coronavirus? I know the cannabis dispensaries were overwhelmed with people looking to de-stress. Did you have the same experience? Pretty much um, our experience has been as follows. Being a New York-based physical location, we've been fortunate to be allowed to continue to be open for three reasons. One, we have a kitchen. We're producing delicious soups, salads, plant-based treats, tonics, elixirs on a regular daily basis, which is supporting, uh, providing some additional options to, to the local residents. And then we're fortunate that because we sell conveniences like toiletries and herbal remedies and so on, we notice the need is almost a mental health issue as much as it is an herbal issue. Specifically, yes, we've been overwhelmed with calls uh, online. Thankfully, we have a, a pretty strong online platform. So we're chasing supply primarily in what would be called the boosters, immune boosters or herbal remedies that have some efficacy and some history of being a good preventative aid for boosting immune. It's not in any way, I should say up front, as a solution to prevent the uh, corona because the corona is primarily a respiratory issue at its root than necessarily a virus, viral issue. But I think the consumer is anxious to have herbal remedies as an ally. Also, CBD 
which, as you well know, just went through this extraordinary growth of popularity. CBD is everywhere, but everybody doesn't really know how to best use CBD. Well, now we have a a situation of, you know, serious anxiety, stress being built with the stay at home, people, families having to get along, parents with their kids, lots of very, very immediate issues. So we're able to show people how CBD really can be uh, a companion and ally in this period. That's a great service. And in fact, I got an email from you, which I get periodically, and it was directed to this health and wellness around the virus. And so that's what reminded me, yeah, I should I should contact Lou and get him on the show because just over the years, you have learned so much about this and, and the, as well as everybody else, the country, there's so much research still going on, kind of blending the ancient and the modern. And, uh, Absolutely, David. So, so, so important. As you well know, you need more and more respect to the indigenous. Grandma had the medicine, you know, and mom took us to the doctor for the last 70 years. God bless medicine. We need, we need Western medicine. But perhaps this is a perfect storm for us to reacquaint ourselves and our families and friends that Herbs and plants, mushrooms, we're selling an extraordinary amount of mushrooms, mushroom tinctures, you know, fungi. We try to look at the optimistic side that the world has shifted. It's a paradigm shift. And so hopefully as part of the outcome, people will have a better balanced view of how they can use herbs and plants, not as a cure, because, you know, you have to be mindful that these are not cures, but to just strengthen and put one's mindfulness to using plants for health. Oh, it's really, really valuable. Really, yeah. I mean, wellness is what it's going to be about in the future or is because I think people are realizing that we are defenseless against something like this coronavirus, and the only and our best defense is kind of a good offense in this case, uh, or maybe the opposite of our best offense is a good defense is to build up our immunities and, and sort of work on ourselves all the time. So then we're even when something like this comes up, which is likely going to happen again in the future, Absolutely, you know, yes. we can be better prepared. Absolutely. We're doing this whole, uh, the stay at home, as you can imagine, everybody's shifting to the digital and uh, what it takes in a normal uh, event planning to get 20 people to the alchemist kitchen on the Bowery. We we're having events where we're getting a couple of hundred people to the digital. So that's another interesting shift that people are really well prepared to tune in to good podcasts and, and good informative zoom calls or classes in order to get better acquainted with, with this information. Definitely. I feel like, of course, it's a terrible thing, this virus, but it is forcing us to shift in some ways that could be positive. And as you were saying about technology, people are taking the tools into their own hands right now instead of, you know, let's say Zoom is a big corporate thing that people use in that capacity, but you could also use it as an individual and make contact in that way. Yes. Instagram stories and FaceTime and exactly, you know, yeah. 
all of it. Yes. Yeah, so many, you know, people doing performances, you know, DJs. I'm very happy, you know, personally to see the creative community really respond. This is when they can show their best, what they can do with very little. Of course. And, you know, with your long, long history of advocating art and performing arts and suddenly having this situation where our arts community are at home, the dancers, the actors, the singers are at home. So this uncertainty is what's stimulating a lot of specific interest in plants, the uncertainty uh, of, okay, well, when will this end? And uncertainty, and I, I want clarity. I'm stuck at home. We're seeing a lot of interest in basic herbs for longevity, immunity, gut, gut health, you know, digestive health. And um, I think that each of the industries, in our case, health and wellness, in another case, the theatrical arts, the creative arts, will all maybe find new ways to communicate and uh, connect with their their audiences. Yeah, because they've all been uh, granted a gift, uh, the most valuable commodity, which is time. Yeah. You know, so suddenly I got no work, uh, you know. I've watched <laughs> everything on Netflix. What am I going to do now? So some cool stuff comes out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's very important, though, to continue to, to emphasize to the, the viewers that the herbal supplement industry, Dave, for, for 60 years has been not well regulated, you know, and susceptible to marketing and promotional techniques that prey more on vanity issues such as weight loss, you know, muscle enhancement, sex, uh, sexual enhancements. And so I like to always point out that all the things that really matter, you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I always like to point out that we've really been misled by the commercial interests, even within the herbal supplement industry, that herbs and plants, you have to come to it with some intention, uh, whether it's in your nutrition and food. Uh, I'm not vegan myself. I, I believe in eating more plants than ever before. But, um, you know, it's really important that, that viewers approach the use of herbs as an ally, but not as a cure, you know, and uh, that way you can match up well with integrative medicine and doctors and nurses who tend to be very cautious, particularly in periods of great stress like this, where everybody is looking for what's the, what's the quick fix and there is none, you know, so I like to keep pointing that out. Yeah, and how how do you rate cannabis in the uh, you know I don't know if you can rate, but given all of the uh, medicinal herbs and botanicals that are you know pharmacists uh, have worked with uh, historically and today, so cannabis, where would you put that? On, uh, on the cannabis, uh, you know, cannabis, both in the THC form, you know, the intoxicating psychoactive, and for those of your viewers may not know what CBD, which is an acronym for a cab cabinoid, which are compounds that we, we actually also produce in our bodies, but are found very richly and densely within the, 
the cannabis plant, have three remarkable benefits. You know, one can uh, serve as a great ally for the relief of stress, everyday stress. More seriously, physiologically, anxiety. And of course, CBD particularly is highly anti-inflammatory, so very effective for mitigating chronic pain, joint pain, muscular pain when applied topically. We're entering a period now where the seeds, the botanical scientists are developing seeds when they are planted. You can actually grow that plant to full maturity and the THC content is minimal, but the richness and density of the CBD and the, the other cannabinoids that are found within the plant, terpenes and so on, the richness and benefit is much more potent and profound. So I think it's a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for people to get acquainted with CBD and cannabis generally in moderation and tailored to specific purposes. Do you think that Alchemist Kitchen is an essential business at a time like this that should be allowed to be open? We're getting the benefit of being open under the auspices of serving and take out food, you know, food and beverage. Because so, some places have allowed cannabis to remain open as yes. for medical purposes. Dave, isn't it uh, true that I, I think California, they are allowing the cannabis dispensaries to be open as an essential yeah, business? It's, it varies yeah. in different state to state and yeah. you know how it is. But I would say, uh, I would say in our case, I think it, it, it is truly very essential. And uh, all of the mushroom tinctures, you know, people are, people are gravitating to cordyceps, ashwagandha, which is the Chinese herbs of ancient, ancient heritage and efficacy and demonstrating the ability to boost immunes and strengthen one's uh, health systems. Yeah, right. But I was just curious, do you think that the city regards you as an essential business or do you just get by because you have the kitchen or it hasn't really come up? I would say that if it was just retail, we'd probably be challenged. I mean, the health food stores are not allowed to be open. Oh, they're not. So, in fact, uh, the Council for Responsible Nutrition, a national organization, has been lobbying for the last two or three weeks that health food stores should be treated as an essential. Definitely. I think it's interesting. Liquor stores apparently are allowed to be open. Yeah. So, you know, these are confrontations we have in the society of what is essential. So a convenience store is essential. So for most mainstream, that would be a 7-Eleven, you know, a deli. But a convenience store that sells toiletries, beauty aids, you know, hey, you know. <laughs> it could ask to be open, you know? Sure. So. No, I imagine they're nervous about, you know, moving that line until what point would everyone starts claiming their essential service? But, uh, you know, exactly. in your case, and certainly health food stores, absolutely. I mean, what? why wouldn't it be able to people shop in the same way they do in other places? You could create the same safety precautions and just make it work. Uh, I think you'll see this 
you know, when we get on the other side of this crisis, a tremendous shift in advocacies and lobbying for what are the regulatory, you know, framework for this, these kind of shutdowns, you know. Definitely. So you started Alchemist Kitchen in 2015 and even 2016. prior- 2016. 2016, yes. okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. And prior to that, you started Evolver, which is the parent company, right? Yes. I, well, I, Evolver was founded. It was founded by uh, two great journalists: one Ken Jordan, another Daniel Pinchbeck. Uh, Daniel, uh, quite quite known for a number of oh, yeah. books. Well, he was on my show recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, really, at a moment when planetary change and personal growth was, you know, becoming very popular. Our mission with Evolver is to enable and encourage personal growth through the study and learning of modalities, whether it be a cacao ceremony or ayahuasca, psychedelics, meditation, yoga, all of the modalities that people are choosing to investigate for personal growth. So that's simply been its mission. Uh, we have a very large, very broad community, uh, over 3 million followers on Facebook. And um, I was recruited, it's now six years ago, to serve as the CEO and to try and put a business model to what would normally be difficult to, to monetize. So I did my study and my passion was plants and particularly plant medicine. I was also, you know, inspired by thinkers such as Terence McKenna and whole group of psychedelic thinkers. So it was a very good opportunity. And my background is in specialty retailing. And so I've said, hey, let's, let's create a new model, contemporary model for people to not feel, you know, herb store. Let's go post hippie. Let's get more contemporary, more sophisticated. Let's bring in art and culture, and let's demonstrate that the power of plants have a, a very global feel and impact, you know? And so that was what precipitated creating the Alchemist Kitchen as kind of the kitchen where this very large community of people exploring personal transformation could conduct commerce and engage in commerce. And was the CBD a part of it already back then? Yeah. Right at the outset, we um, invested with a partner farm. All of our formulations are grown on uh, farms that are practicing regenerative agriculture, lots of things in the agricultural movement. And then uh, all of the formulations are extracted and, and formulated in a lab in Colorado. The flour is coming from both upstate New York and from Oregon. So we are very vertical, very, you know, seed to sale, farm to pharmacy in our approach. And that has served us very well. We're a Cabernet. We're not a table wine. We're producing very artisanal, small batch product. But right today, it's really serving us because all the CBD stores are closed down. We have seven resident herbalists on our staff. For your viewers, herbalists are not pharmacists, you know, they're not 
they're not licensed, but they're very well educated around how to pair a, a health issue with herbs and plants. And then they curate uh, third-party selections, and they also provide classes in education. And I think that that's really helped us this last few years, hosting classes in education, because the marketplace is, is so needy for that. And what was the reaction in the East Village community when you opened? Because nothing like it, I imagine, had been around before. <laughs> when we opened, it's not that long ago. So when we opened, we were more concerned about the DEA coming in, you know, the drug enforcement, because CBD was still coupled as a controlled substance like heroin. And the main two main questions the customer would have, is this legal and will I get high? Thankfully, over the last couple of years, you know, it's, it's moved to, okay, I, I believe I won't get high, and I understand it's legal, but what will it do for me? Can I trust it? And um, building trust around cannabis in a, in a marketplace that's really proliferated has been very, very challenging, particularly in the last year, in 2019. Uh, with the legislative landscape murky, you know, and the consumer seeing it in every health food store and at the gas station and all around. Because, uh, you know, I, there are no federal guidelines, are there? About No, no federal guidelines. The CBD is now under the FDA, and the FDA is just in the process of developing a regulatory framework for for it. So... The marketplace remains confused of what and how CBD will be uh, sold. Is, can you trust the packaging at all? Is there any regulations around I that? that? Uh, I think that for the viewer, uh, the consumer, the key things today is is to make sure that wherever you're purchasing CBD, there are certificate of testing because CBD and cannabis tend to have quite a bit of pesticides and, and, and metallics, and they need to be removed with the solvent. So most, most places that are of, let's say, the gold standard for retailing CBD would have those profiles, those certificates on hand. The second thing is that labeling being very clear that how much CBD, what's the potency, which is usually measured in milligrams, 500 milligrams, 1,000 milligrams, 1,500 milligrams, is, um, is properly marked. And if there's any other ingredients, they should be properly you know, identified. Most CBD today is sold in an extract form. So they're sold in larger bottles, usually with coconut oil or, you know, almond oil. In our case and some other companies, we microdose, so we sell a concentrate. They're smaller bottles, but every drop uh, constitutes the purity of the CBD that you're, that you're ingesting versus dropperfuls that are, tend to be filled with maybe the same potency in the bottle, but not the same impact when you ingest it. So without, you know, getting too much into the details of that, the consumer is really encouraged to 
A, make sure uh, the products being presented are professionally labeled, that there are certificates of authenticity and testing. The bioavailability is becoming very important. So people will say, well, how is best to take it? If you're struggling with um, just stress and anxiety, then tincture still is a very effective tincture, meaning dropper under the tongue. Gel caps are popular for those who want to get a good night's sleep. Higher dosage takes a little longer for the body to digest, but the bioavailability once digested through the uh, digestive tract, broken down, will provide a longer relaxation, and, and so very good for sleep. You're seeing uh, topicals, very, very strong infused topicals. You should never use less than 500 milligrams for an ounce of topical, but the benefits massaging into joints and muscular issues, we've had very good results, very good testimony into that. So topicals are a lot, a lot for a lot of people, particularly people with real serious muscular issues, not just elderly people, but anyone that has had challenges there will really think topicals are great. Um, you're seeing a resurgence in smokable because the quality of the seeds and the potency of the flower that's being grown today, you can actually grow flour to smoke it without any negative health issues. And uh, that's probably the most affordable and the quickest way. And and uh, vaping is still a solution, but you have this big pushback because of the vape crisis and people being mistrustful, particularly in the head shops, you know. So there's a little bit of a turnoff there. Edibles, also very interesting and strong in terms of a source of ingestion. Not everyone is confident how they will react to 10 milligrams of in a cookie or in a gummy or chocolate. But uh, once you get it resolved with your own body, everybody is different. Edibles, I'm talking specifically with, with CBD versus THC, is another uh, really good form of in, ingestibles. So not to take too much more time on that, the key is um, ask questions. At the Alchemist Kitchen, we don't sell off the shelf. You have to talk with an herbalist. They ask you, hey, is this for stress? Is it uh, a pain issue? Is it hormonal issue? What are the issues? And then they try to pair it um, and give that uh, customer a good good education. And that, that goes a long way. Yeah. You mentioned the THC aspect, which is not is something you're not dealing with currently, right? In Alchemist Kitchen? Uh, yeah, because of the legal. Of course. Uh, I think THC is got tremendous potential in a medicinal context as your viewers would know you know medical marijuana let's let's say you know marijuana and the legalization of marijuana was birthed in san francisco during the aids crisis so marijuana is is the original health aid but, yeah for, what i wanted to uh ask you about because some people believe that you need both the CBD and the THC to get, you know, the best results. Uh, you know, I imagine you could separate them and that would work to some extent as well, but that, you know, the full spectrum version of what the potential is 
as apart from you know breaking it up into these two pieces yeah i i think um i think it's unquestionable that when the legal framework in all 50 states allow for both uh you're going to have uh the opportunity where medical issues you know medical health issues dealing with cancer epilepsy more serious health issues you need THC in there because it potenizes it synergizes with the other cannabinoids and can be very very effective okay however CBD as it's maturating at the botanical level an awful lot of people don't respond well to the intoxicating effects of THC so as CBD on its own without THC but with the other cannabinoids, CBG, CBN, uh, becoming more robust in terms of the flower, you're going to have the ability to get a lot of benefit without the intoxication. So the needs become a little bit different. You know, it's kind of like if your need is medicinal, stress, anxiety, you're a healthy person. You don't necessarily need it, need the CBD to be with THC. But if you have a medical, a real health issue, it, it's kind of how I can describe the two lanes now. There, you can be in the medicinal business, you can be in the medical business, and you can be in the recreational business. And there are differences. And I think that the Alchemist Kitchen, for example, is more likely to continue to look at herbs and plants, mushrooms as a medicinal offering, that, that that's, its, that's its goal. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute because the, yeah. the potential there as well is uh, we don't know, right? Because we haven't really studied this that much over the years, but definitely there is something there. Everyone can agree. But the question becomes the other, the Psycho, almost like the cannabis and THC, you have, you know, the mushroom that's like just harmless as far as being psychoactive, but could have a very great benefit otherwise. And on the other hand, you have one that is totally psychoactive, can also have its benefits. Absolutely. I mean, we have in, in our network, we have about 16 different mycologists who are uh, herbalists in a way that work with mushrooms, okay? The underground uh, with the decriminalization of psilocybin happening at a very rapid rate is creating a very strong underground of mycologists who are producing psilocybin in capsule form and tincture form on the basis that it's good medicine. So even though it's illegal, you know, it's not something at the Alchemist Kitchen we're legally able to sell. There is a really big, big movement right now towards psilocybin. And the primary uh, reason is because it has very profound benefits for people suffering from mental health issues, you know, depression, low mood. I mean, and that is a much bigger uh ecosystem of, 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 of people needing health uh, is in the mental health area. So therapists, 
And um, you mean psychological, yes, more than mental, right? Yeah, psychological. Well, psychological, yes. But I mean, the, mental health, but you know, not people who need to go, you know, be institutionalized or have heavy pharmacology, you know, no, meds no, and things no, like that. No, but one can imagine, I mean, one can imagine over the next three years, 36 months, you'll see psilocybin become fully decriminalized. It may be left to the therapists. A psychiatrist, psychologist, you know, qualified therapist to prescribe it for those who are struggling with bipolar and other types of depression, you know. Um, yeah, and, so use it in a therapeutic setting. Yes, not in a recreationally. therapeutic setting, not in a recreational setting, you know. Yeah, so what about um, recreational then? Well, I, I don't. I, I think it's just a matter of time. That that the, I mean, the recreational is already quite extensive. You know, and would would you sell it if it was legal? Oh yeah, I think that the psilocybin, you know, the capsules, low dosage. You know, uh, even you're seeing LSD now being synthesized into uh, microdosing, low dosage, not for hallucinatory experiences you know, but just for mood balancing, uh, it, it, it's, it's fairly strong. Uh, it's happening quite a bit. But this is self-medication you know? for the most part. People just yes. decide and, that and, this is and, what they need to do. Yes. And you're also seeing some advances in the appliances in which you can grow the spores and develop kind of a, a DIY where you're producing your own medicine so that you're not you're not in the transacting, you know, commercialization, profiting. There's a lot of conversation now about, well, can you grow it like a microgreen? Can you can you make it into an appliance somebody could grow it? It's legal to buy the spores, you know. It's illegal to transact in it. So, so there's a lot going on there, David, right now um, with all of the psychedelics. And then, of course, the ayahuasca plant medicine, ayahuasca pursuits, people um, going on journeys and coming back and the need for integration. Uh, also very broad, you know, we probably have the largest community in our mailing list, you know, of people who have made the decision to, you know, explore and experiment with ayahuasca and some of the other um, psychotropic mushrooms so well yes uh, your founder daniel is a big advocate of that on my show yes uh-huh yes yes but you know i'm a little more conservative and guarded because I, I really want people to come to the use of plants as a health aid um in a medicinal way but not in a way that means you're sick or you got a problem just in a way that helps keeps you alert um, we're seeing this also with nootropics for cognitive health, you know, brain clarity, you know, the, the, these new formulations that you take where, okay, I, I've got to finish the chapter. I have a deliverable. I've got to, you know, finish this, this project and I need to focus, uh, really c quite extraordinary. Some of the 
uh, use of herbs and, and mushrooms for brain health, you know, cerebrum health. So, yeah, no, I totally, I understand that. But what if you want a bigger, like more of a cultural transformation, uh, you know, all of the 60s where mass psychedelic movement helped to change the world sure. in, a, in a positive way. And, you know, the argument could could be made that the people who are sort of just playing around the edges of uh, the psychedelics or hallucinogenics are not really responding in a political way to yeah. take the next step to, you know, throw off the the societal robes, the structuralism of the world that we're in. And if we need like a psychedelic experience yes. to get us there. Yes. Well, I'm certainly believe in that. I think it's how is that going to be curated? But uh, yeah, we can do that. We can we could curate. I can yeah. curate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's part of the yeah. uh, put part that on my, of, your, of your mission. Exactly. You know? I'm going to put that on my consulting portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you know, uh, David, wouldn't you say that the creative arts of getting us reconnected with touch and dance and music and appreciation of, of art in context with a getting reacquainted with nature itself, that the psychedelic experience could be one of the tools. Definitely. You know? It's extremely sensory Yeah, in that way. You know, you can feel it, touch it, smell it, you know, hear it, see it, you know, so it's, it's great for all of that. And, and today people take edibles when they go to see cats, you know, just yes. to <laughs> see if they can have fun with it. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Lou Segar, for this talk today. It's very helpful for me understanding and, and hearing more about your work at The Alchemist Kitchen. Appreciate it, David. I'm a great fan of what you've contributed to culture here in New York. And, and now uh, in this these interviews you're doing, a great, great fan. And anything I can do with my network to support you and the viewership that you have, i uh, love to do that. Oh, that sounds great. I'll, I'll be calling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. See you well, later. be safe. And uh, let's get through this. Uh, you know, Mother Nature, I think, sent everyone to their rooms, you know? Really? <laughs> so let, let's see if we can get through this, this stage and, and uh, come out with a healthier collective uh, community, you know? Amen. Thank you. You've been listening to Light Culture, brought to you exclusively by Burb, where cannabis clothing and culture intersect. Please follow us on Instagram at ShopBurb and subscribe to this podcast at shopburb.com forward slash Light Culture, as well as iTunes and all the regular distribution platforms. <laughs> <laughs>